Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. It's hard to know where to start with my guest today. She began her 60-year career as a folk singer, honing her craft in the Greenwich Village clubs that fostered the likes of Arlo Guthrie and Bob Dylan in the early 60s. Since then, she's become one of the most beloved interpreters of popular song, elevating early compositions by Leonard Cohen and Joni Mitchell into era-defining classics. A brilliant songwriter in her own right, she's used her one-of-a-kind voice to champion social causes and the endurance of the human spirit. Now she's using her voice in a different way, as a podcast host. This summer, she's launched a new bi-weekly interview series entitled Since You've Asked. The show finds her deep in conversation with an array of fascinating friends, including Clive Davis, actor Jeff Daniels, Christiane Amanpour, and many others. She's likened their chats to virtual dinner dates, which allowed her to keep social in the age of COVID. The podcast is far from her only pandemic project. Earlier this year, she restaged her legendary 1964 concert at New York's Town Hall, the show that helped launch her career. This time around, she played nearly the same selection of songs, with her voice as strong as ever. But one major difference was that the theater was empty. The audience tuned in via live stream. A live album of the performance will be released on August 27th. It'll follow her latest musical offering, White Bird, an anthology of her favorite recordings, bolstered with a few revamped reimaginings of some of her classics. And she's also hard at work on a new album of original material as well. Suffice it to say, she's probably significantly busier than you are, and as such, I'm extra grateful for her time. I'm so thrilled to welcome Ms. Judy Collins. 
Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I have so many things I want to talk to you about, but I wanted to start with your amazing new podcast, Since You've Asked. It's such a wonderful project to do in the midst of lockdown. I think you've said it's almost like a dinner date or a dinner party, and that really comes across. How did this start for you? Well, first of all, I, I love the Zoom potential, and I've, I use it all the time. You know, in, in New York, my husband and I live here, and of course, the lockdown started, and our we have normally we have a social life. We have dinner with friends a few times a month, so we just continued that without the dinner. We had podcasts with friends, and that went on, has been going on, and still going on. Because now there are some people who have kind of been out of the city, so we do do the podcast with them, or if they've decided to venture out, we'll go to dinner with them. So that, that very much has been, my social life is very important to me. I believe in the healing and uh, intellectually stimulating contents of discussions with friends. I think it's, it's part of the stuff of life. And you, if, you, if you are denied it, you can wither you know, on the vine. So that was, that was going on. And I think my manager and I were talking one day and she said, why don't you do that with some people that you can have a longer conversation with. So we decided to start doing the podcast, which I just love it. I think it's, it's a privilege to be able to, to peer into somebody's life in a more, for instance, I won't break this open entirely, but I did do a show, a podcast with my old friend, Clive Davis. And one of the nice things is that I'm not a client. I'm a friend. I've known him for almost 60 years now. And so there's a way to talk to somebody that's different than if you're a client. And on the other hand, then my own, the head of my label, Jack Holzman, whom I've known for 60 years too, and uh, he's a very close friend, and I am his guy. I was his client, and I, I, I lecture records, you know, started my life, and and so on. So I, I know a lot about him, and he about me. So it's a different kind of thing in both cases, but both satisfying, interesting, educational, and a lot of fun. I was going to ask you about the Jack Holtzman interviews, one I'm really excited to hear, just because, as you said, you did go back such a long way, and he had such a big role in, in your life and your career. Yeah, incredible role, incredible role. Tell me more about some of your guests. So far, on the ones that are out now, we've heard uh, Jeff Daniels and Julia Cameron. Who, who else do we have in there? I think Arlo Guthrie, I think, is one of them. Arlo's coming along, and Arlo and I, of course, I met Arlo when I first did my first New York show. It was 1961, and I was, you know, in the old days, <laughs> the old days. When I started in 1959, my first job was in Boulder, Colorado, at a place called Michael's Pub, and it was a, it was a, a pizza and par- parlor, and a kind of a class, you know, upper upper echelon pizza parlor from from Tulagi's and uh, the sink which were two of the real places where you just get down and dirty drunk. And uh, Michael's Pub was a step up, and he had um, music. He had barbershop quartets and accordion players. And then I had been asked by my husband why I would, didn't get a job doing something I knew how to do, because I was doing a very bad job at filing papers at the University of Colorado. And so my father got me an interview 
uh, an audition at Michael's Pub. This was sort of out of the blue. Nobody knew that you could make a living singing folk songs. I mean, there was no, there was no entrance to that. My father was a big star in the radio business, but he sang Rogers and Hart and had a great radio show. And I mean, that was a whole other era of music. And so folk music was ridiculous, forget it. But I went down and I had an audition. I played and sang a concert for an hour and he hired me. And so that was the start. And in, in those days, it was very much word of mouth. One person, he would call the place in, I'm sure he called, he called the um, Gilded Garter in, in Central City and said, you know, she sold some tickets and why don't you try her? So I went up, that was my second date, you know, and then I went to um, the Exodus in Denver and uh, in between. And then, and then in about two years time, after working all these clubs, word of mouth, I got to New York and I was actually the headliner. I couldn't believe it. I'd only been doing it a couple of years, but I got there and I found out that my opener was a 13 year old named Arlo Guthrie. So that's where, when we met and he was, he was always so darling and charming. I knew his mother very well because my manager quite quickly became uh, Harold Levenzahl who managed the Weavers and Pete Seeger and Alan Arkin and uh, Theodore Bacall. He managed, it seemed to me, almost everybody who made records, who made music that was folk music. And uh, Harry Belafonte always wanted Harold to manage him, but he had told me that he consistently said no. I don't know why he said no. That would have been a lot of fun. So I have known Arlo all these years, and we've done all kinds of things. We went to uh, Japan together in 1966 with Mimi and uh, Bruce Langhorn, and we had a great time there. And I sang at Arlo's wedding to Jackie, his wonderful, wonderful wife. I loved Jackie. She was a treasure. And unfortunately, she died a couple of years ago. And Arlo has been just a mainstay in my life. We've done shows together. We've traveled together. We have in common so many friends. So this past two years ago, we started working on let's do a big tour together. And so we all, it took a while, but finally we got, we must have had 50, 75 shows, places like Ravinia and, and uh, Tanglewood and, you know, the big places, um, of course, um, Humphreys out in the West and uh, a lot of places. And they were all set up. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and uh, he called me in September. We had all these dates were they were not, none of them were canceled. They were just moved into the next and then the next and then the next month. And he said, I have to tell you this because I don't want to tell anybody yet until I've told you that I'm retiring. I can't do this anymore because I've had a couple of heart attacks and I just don't have the stamina and I can't sing very well and so on. And I said, well, you have to think about your health. So he said, yes, I do. And I said, I'm concerned about your health, but I think the best thing for you to do is to not go out anymore and do this touring that we do, which is, you have no idea how hard it is. Nobody who doesn't do it has any idea how hard it is. But I said, meantime, why don't we do a talk together? I hadn't even come up with the podcast idea yet, but I said we should do one of these talks. I did a talk for Carnegie Hall, did a series of interviewing other people, and I interviewed my, uh, my friend Jimmy Webb and Alan Cumming 
and Sean Colvin and Steve Earle. And we all, all four of us talked together on a, a Zoom show for Carnegie Hall. We did it probably in, I said, would say June or July last summer. You can get it on their podcast if you go on to Carnegie Hall and you look it up. And the Carnegie Hall president, wonderful man, introduced me and it was, <laughs> he said, he was introducing me and he said, and Judy Collins has done 50 shows over the years at Carnegie Hall. I hadn't known what the number was. I knew it was an awful lot because most of those early years I sang every year at Christmas, which Arlo did. Arlo sang at Thanksgiving and I sang at Christmas. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty much the New York routine. You know, people would go to both of our shows. So we had a good time. Anyway, we had a just fabulous time with our podcast. So that'll be coming down the, uh, in the series very soon. Oh, I can't wait to hear. I mean, with these people that you have had these these deep relationships with for many, many years, the, the Arlo's, the Jack Holtzman's, the, the Clive Davis's, did you find when you were doing these podcasts that you learned stuff about them that you never knew? Oh, yes. I won't spill the beans again, but I asked, I asked <laughs> Clive in the middle of the podcast, and it's revealed, you, you do, you find out things. I mean, I found out how he got into this, this business. It wasn't through a musical con. Uh, connection it was legal you know he went to law school and be and was with a firm and they wanted him to go to Monterey and represent some client down there I don't even know who it was and he was mesmerized and transformed by listening to Janis Joplin and and Santana that's how he got into it I didn't know that and I said to him during the show I said who was the one who got away and he said, you know, that's a great question. I've, I've never been asked that question. People ask me who I dropped and uh, who walked away from me, but they don't, no one ever asked me who got away. And you know, it was a big surprise. You want to know who it was? It was Harry Chapin. He oh, said, your wow. guy overbid me. Jack Holzman wrote a bigger check. Was he on Electra? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was funny. Oh, that's right. Taxi was on Electra, yeah. And of course, you do find out things. People, people tell you things that they would not necessarily say in public, or if it was scripted, they would not say. And they're, they're at home, you know, they're probably, they're not in a studio, the lights are not shining on them. So they're in their living rooms, or maybe in their bedrooms, or maybe in their dining rooms. But you're intimately talking with them in a way that is very free form. I'm sure you find that. You've done so many of these. And you understand that people are going in various directions and sometimes they're a surprise. It's such an incredible privilege and in such an incredible way to engage your, your sense of curiosity, to learn about all sorts of different people and all sorts of different ideas. Do you find that you learn something about yourself having done this? I learn a lot about my own curiosity, absolutely. And also that I'm, I'm really, I'll talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> You pry open those little doors and you just never know what's going to come out, really. And it's a good thing because conversation is how we grow and learn and it gives us a, a balanced life and it gives us an idea of how the other side is living, you know, and what's, what, what things can be troublesome and what things are a lot of fun. And uh, it's conversation. Now, I grew up in this kind of family because my dad was in the radio business. So his radio show consisted of his playing and singing the songs of the great American songbook and uh, telling about his life and reading poetry and uh, having guests. He had a lot of guests on his show. 
Some of them would come home to dinner. George Shearing came to dinner and said, I think you should continue practicing the piano, Mozart, instead of playing those folk songs. That's what he said to me. I never forgot it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. It sounds like music was just in your DNA. Was it always something that you you knew this is what you'd be devoting your life to? Or was there a moment when there was a lightning bolt moment? Well, I knew that I would be doing it, and I did it the whole time I was growing up. I always had music in my life, and I was playing the piano. I was singing in the choirs as a kid. My teachers were wonderful. You know, I I started music lessons in... uh, We moved to uh, L.A. in 1940 four probably and I my parents immediately got me a piano teacher and uh, I used to in those days you know I got on a bus at five years old with my music under my arm and got on the bus and went to Santa Monica from West West LA to have my lessons I mean life was very safe kids were very safe people in general it seemed to me of course now we know that it wasn't so safe for a lot of people And there were a lot of things going on that were so horrible that when the 60s finally rolled around, I think what what was most appealing about the 60s was that we finally realized how much we'd been lied to. 
and how much we are lied to and determined that we would tr try to find the truth. But yes, talking and the kind of interviews my dad did were very much a part of our lives. And then we would all talk together about things around the table. That's where our political education came in, I think. <laughs> I look back and think about all the dinner table conversations that we had as a family growing up and how much they shaped me. And I, I realized that, you know, you take them for granted at the time because you just want to finish your dinner and go off to whatever you're doing and go play. But it's amazing what you learn from, from those. Yeah. <laughs> play ball. I have to say, the show has such a perfect title since you've asked, which uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is a track off of your album, Wildflowers. And I think it's the first song you ever wrote, right? It's the first song. And that's how they get you. You know, they get you. I sat down after, after Leonard Cohen asked me why I wasn't writing my own songs. I came home, I sat down at my Steinway because I'd been practicing for the various songs that were going on that album in my life. I just wrote it. It took me 40 minutes and it was done. And it hasn't ever been the same since. <laughs> I mean, it never takes 40 minutes anymore. It takes, the next one took about five years. <laughs> but I was hooked. And so since you've asked, Right now, I'm trying to write a song for my granddaughter's wedding, which is happening <gasps> oh, wow. in a few weeks in California. And, uh, you know, I thought, because a lot of people tell me they sing since you've asked at their weddings, all of their weddings, not just the first one. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, I can't do that. I have to write. I've written, I wrote a, I've written songs for my own wedding, for my brother Denver's wedding, for my brother Dave's wedding for an old friend who wasn't even a relative. So I have to write an original song for her. I mean, there's no question. Take my hand with your own. We can solve the broken world together. That's the start of what I'm writing, but who knows what'll happen, because I don't know. I have to start, I have to work at it every day and try to write something every different every day so that I can figure out what's going to make it <laughs> to the wedding. That's just amazing. I mean, I, I hear since you've asked now, and I, I know, knowing that it was your first song, I'm thinking, I'm somebody who's, who's loved music my whole life, and as hard as I try, I've never been able to write a song ever. I, I love it with all my heart. I dabble in different instruments, but it's just, it's not in me. I can't imagine starting from scratch as you did and writing something as beautiful and sophisticated and as timeless as that song. I guess the, my question is, what are your tips for someone like me who's sort of struggling with how to start writing Don't music? Don't do it. It'll break your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sheer sweat. <laughs> and it's a job. I have a friend who writes <laughs> mysteries who says, you know, writing is like laying pipe. It's you have to go at it every day. Well, I'm just coming out in, I'm just about, I think this week, Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going out into the studio to do some more final vocals on my most recent album, which is a book, an album of all my own songs called Spellbound, and it's, it'll come out in, Jan in February, I think, of 22. And it's, it's in part, it's this, so, some songs that I finished and or started and finished in the pandemic, and some that I was finishing up in 2029. And, um, but I, I have to work very, very, very hard at it. And I'm not sure that anything is as good as, oh, I know, The Blizzard is pretty good. The Blizzard, I think, and since you've asked, you're probably my best songs. The Blizzard has to be kept in good shape because a lot of my songwriting friends love it, and I have to be ready to play it at the drop of a hat. And I think, actually, that the next thing is to get a movie filmed with, with the song as a context for the movie. So 
that's something I, I need to pay some attention to because it is a great story. It's sort of my equivalent of The Gambler. I uh, I have to say, I, I loved uh, your song, Dreamers. It is an amazing, I mean, I for anyone who hasn't heard it, it is this absolutely exquisite a cappella piece in, inspired by the the immigration crisis, I suppose, is the, the, the most simplest way to phrase it. But can, can you tell me a little more about, about that song? It is, it is breathtaking. I was sitting here at the kitchen, at the dining room table one day, and my husband and I were watching a conversation on television with a young woman who... She said, and I quoted her, my name it is Maria, my daughter is a dreamer. She says that she's worried that she will have to leave. And that's the first line of the, of the song. And uh, I went into the studio and I wrote it down and I started playing it immediately. And I worked on it for about four years, 2016, 17, 18, maybe two, maybe nine. No, no, it was, it was two years of, anyway, I was playing the piano and playing it and playing it. And uh, we were in Seattle and I was working at a club called Ash Alley and my husband was out there with me and he said, you know, you really have to mix up your set. You really need some new songs. Why don't you sing that new song you're writing? And I said, well, it's not, I haven't figured out how to play it at the piano. He said, don't play it at the piano, just sing it. Just sing it acapulco, as we say. And so I did. And I sang it, and uh, my name it is Maria. My daughter is a dreamer. She says that she is worried that she will have to leave. And when I finished the song, there was this silence that came over the audience. It was stunning. Nobody moved, nobody said a word, nobody clapped, nobody, there's just this absolute, and then they all went crazy, and they kept doing that every time I sang it. Because I, I'm convinced that when people are in an environment where there's live music going on, they're going through a lot of things in their mind that have to do with kind of shifting their point of view and examining what's going on in their lives and making choices that have nothing to do, very often have nothing to do with what's really happening, but it's something that's transforming because of the live music. I think that's what live music does. It gets to the brain in a subtle way and does the kind of work that, well, we like to think that teaching always does that, but it doesn't always do it. But music quite often does it. It's the silence. It's people sitting in an auditorium that's hushed, where they're not on their devices, and where no one is coming up and slapping them on the backs and saying, you want a drink? But they're kind of hostage to the artist on stage. <laughs> I like to think of it that way. What is it about music that you think makes it such a potent medium for transmitting emotion and enacting change? It's probably essential to human survival. I think it was probably, well, first of all, it's essential to have a voice because you have to be able to scream while running in the forest chasing some prey that you're going to have for dinner. Or if you get injured by some animal that you're chasing, you have to be able to scream so that somebody comes after you. So the voice is always important and it carries wisdom you know the, sh the the sharks i almost said the sharks the the whales have the music of their songs to contain and and transmit information that's what i hear from roger payne who's the person who played me the the first recordings of the 
of the singing of the humpback whales many years ago. And apparently they have information about what the best place, best way to go to the breeding grounds is and, you know, whose tanker is nearby that you might not want to run into on the way to Alaska or something. So I'm sure it's got all kinds of information and we carry information in our, in our DNA which we can transmit with songs, with words. And now we know that people who have a, you may not know this about this wonderful man, but I traveled and recorded for a wonderful singer named Eric Weisberg for years and years. He was really part of my origins and we did a lot of traveling. He even went to Soviet Union with me in 1965. So I've known him for years and he's a fantastic banjo player who's very famous. And towards the end of his life, he really had Alzheimer's. He was not communicating. And so a bunch of his buddies, old picking buddies, you know, went up to where he lived and began to sing and play. And picked a, he picked up the guitar and he played and sang with them. So it has a magical ability to trans, trans, what is the word, transform transcend the physical incapacity of the brain because it'll wake the brain up with memory and uh, music is the thing that's been said to help many many people find their way through or not necessarily back but certainly through the temp or even temporarily to, to to wake the brain up to things that it knew before particularly poetry and song, which tell part of our history. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. 
Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I mean, you've used your, your musical voice for, for so much good and to try to enact change for, for so many years. Who are the people who, I think we called them Eskimos in my family, the people who guided you to teach you and show you to, to use these songs for, for good and to, to use your platform for, uh, to try to, to make a difference? How, who were some people who taught you that? Well, I fell into that community immediately because when I was 15 <clears throat> and jumped off of the classical piano route, and decided I had to have a guitar because I had heard the Gypsy Rover and Barbara Allen on the radio and I decided they were ha songs I had to sing. And that's when I started going to, to uh, Wells Music in Denver and I was told by the guy who ran the shop, you know, he said, this is, you're, you've ordered a, a, a pair of folk songs here and this is what folk music is all around me. And then he showed me all these albums of Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and Cynthia Gooding and the Clancy Brothers and Burl Ives and, and so on. And it was the folk music world that I, that I became a part of. And I joined, because I moved to New York and because Harold Leventhal said yes, he would manage me, which was a great blessing. And I walked into his office on 57th Street in 1963, and Woody got, I mean, uh, Pete Seeger was lying on behind the couch, sound asleep with his banjo stretch, stretched out beside him. And so I fell right into the club. And so this was what people were doing. And this is what I loved. I loved these songs. When I was 16 or so, 17 maybe, I was at a, a folk music gathering on Lookout Mountain, and a young singer named Mart Hoffman sang me a Woody Guthrie song called Deportees. And Deportees is probably, I mean, essentially what I was writing about when I was writing Dreamers years ago, years later, but probably with that as my incentive. The thing about that was that I loved Mart Hoffman. He was so sweet, so wonderful, such a great singer. And I didn't know until decades later that he'd actually written the melody to uh, Deportees. The crops are all in and the peaches are rodding. I didn't know that until there was a big Woody Guthrie festival over in Brooklyn in 2016 and I went to it and they handed out a book. I knew so many of his songs and I knew his life and so on, but I just didn't know that he didn't write, that Woody didn't write that melody. I found out later a lot of songs he didn't write the melody to. He wrote the melody to this land, certainly, and also to... Um, I woke up in a dry bed, Daddy, come see. That one he wrote as but but he there were a lot of songs he didn't write to and and his daughter, Nora, quite often would give lyrics to somebody and say, Could you put this to music so we can get it recorded? I loved your, your recent anthology, White Bird, which is, is such a fascinating project. I think it's your first time uh, recording the It's a Beautiful Day song, White Bird, the title track. Yes. I didn't know it. I didn't know it from Adam. And my distributor, Brian Ferrero, who, who has helped me get the uh, record label out that I, that I supervise, he brought the song to me. And he said, I think you should sing it. And I said, I think so too. But I didn't know the, the group. I didn't know the song or Beautiful Day. But I was telling somebody recently that I turned on one of these endless series, I think a, a British 
mystery series the other day, and I heard it was being played in the first break. It was being played of their version, Beautiful Day's version. So I'm glad I finally caught up with it. Oh, I, I love your version so much. And I, I love how you revisited some of your songs like Turn, 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 Chelsea Morning, and, and Randy Newman's I Think It's Gonna Rain Today. Oh my gosh, I mean, that song gets me every time. What is your relationship to those songs now? Has, has their meaning changed or evolved for you? Or are those constants for you that keep you kind of anchored? Well, when I sing them, they do the same thing for me that they always did, which is to make me happy and let me sing you know they let me sing i mean there are certain songs that really let you sing they allow you to sing them they're so well put together that you almost can't help but sing them and some of these songs like turn 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 are like that i mean they just kind of invade your mind and they make you capable of singing them I love the new arrangements to some of them, too. It's such a cool way. I think that it was almost like hearing them for the first time, which is really special for me of someone who's, who's loved those songs and your music for so many years. Good. I'm so glad you like the album. I love it, too. I loved doing it. Here's a question, kind of a broad question. Uh, would you consider yourself an optimist? Oh, by God, of course I am. Yeah. Absolutely. My sister says that's my one defect. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that the last 18 months have definitely been uh, a challenging time for Optimus. <laughs> What's been, been keeping you grounded and uh, feeling good? Oh, lots of things. Um, we have had a very privileged lockdown in the sense that I had never, I had not had a vacation. I had not had time off in so many years. And uh, quite frankly, I needed it. I needed a break. And, you know, I was always told for years, why don't you get, you know, t you've got to be able to take a few months off in the summer. I was never able to because, you know, you want to make a living. You have to show up. The dates are coming in. You can't. So there was no way to really do that to, for any length of time. I mean, maybe you'd get, I don't know. I just was not. And so when it happened, for me, it was an advantage because I got the time off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I took a nap every day. Every day. I mean, I did anyway, because I'm in my 80s now. People do that in their 80s. They take naps. And I've taken full advantage of that privilege. <laughs> but I've also continued working. And the working and the being able to sit down every day and work at the piano and work on writing and trying to write uh, poetry and songs and so on. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do, to have, to have some... Uh, enlightening moments and then of course to be able to unfortunately watch what is going in the world and be devastated by the deaths I mean I've lo I lost a couple of friends that were very close to me and uh, you know that's that's horrible and of course the devastation of the death count is something that takes your breath away really and I'll have to say a word for wearing masks and for getting vaccinated uh, it's essential not just, it's not about you. It's about everybody in your family. It's about the people you interact with. It's about your neighbors. And uh, to, think it, to think it's just about yourself is extremely short-sighted. I'm glad you were able to get some time for yourself. I know you're doing what, 150 shows a year or something like that, I think I read. It's 120, but almost 100. That is incredible. I, when you write every day, is it almost like people, some people do yoga every day, some people jog? It's a daily practice for you to... Uh... Oh, yeah, and I jog. I work on the treadmill. I take walks. I work on the bicycle. I try to do my stretches. Yeah, I have to. I mean, there's no way 
to keep up with what's going on physically unless you're exercising and eating right. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't scream, you know. You have to give up a lot to stay on the planet. <laughs> there was an interview you gave recently. I'm trying to remember who it was with. I, I read it. It might have been with AARP. And you said something that I will never forget. Somebody was asking you about, about retirement. You gave an amazing response. I swear I remember for the rest of my life. You saying that retirement was created in the Industrial Revolution. Right. I wanted to ask you more about that. That's so fascinating. It was created by management. It was created by the, by the 1% to keep the rest of us from making money as we grow older. You know, you fire per people at a certain level because if they stay longer, they're going to co cost you more money. It's, you know, we throw people out of... Anyway, I, I think retirement was invented. You know, if you're a rancher, you never retire. I suppose that's in my DNA, in my, in my history, my farming and some degree ranching, farming... But being an artist, you never retire. I mean, there's no, you wouldn't, why would you retire? How could you retire from doing something that had kept you alive and probably kept you from jumping off a roof? I think that being creative and having, being a poet or a writer or a painter, or an artist of any kind, a communicator, you know, you have to keep going because it's part of your DNA, it's part of who you are. It's not just the product. It's, it's, it's the essential discipline of doing those things on a daily basis, which makes you capable of not only staying on the planet, but also contributing. I feel like that's something that a lot of people forget these days. It becomes about the product. Yeah, true enough. Thank goodness we have wonderful people like you. Judy Collins, it has been a true pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for your time today and your music. It is oh, a wonderful joy. I can't wait to hear more of your show. It's a great, great treat. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.